The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 9 of Inspire Us. I am your host, Paul Nadeau. Over 22 years ago, Stuart Knight did something courageous, daring, and uncommon. He listened to his heart. It told him that too many people were not living up to their potential, and he decided to do something about it. At the ripe age of 24, with no money or experience, he wrote an inspiring theater show for teenagers. Within a short amount of time, it was picked up by Coca-Cola and toured nationally for three years. From there, he decided to become the first Canadian ever to write and star in a musical that he produced in his own loft. No small feat, considering he couldn't play an instrument. It became the longest-running play of its kind, and A-list influencers lined up to witness sold-out shows in a theater Stewart not only built, but also lived in. During that time, some of the world's biggest business leaders recognized Stewart as a visionary who could help their organizations reach new levels of success. Since then, Stewart has been flown around the world, speaking in places such as Sydney, Malta, Edinburgh, Mumbai, New York, Frankfurt, and Las Vegas, helping Fortune 500 companies learn what it takes to be the very best. As Stuart Knight's success flourished, he wanted to do something that would help raise thousands of dollars for charities around the world and decided to create something called the Top 10 event, which is now one of Canada's biggest speaking extravaganzas. Well, it was before COVID-19. Anyway, the event quickly grew into one of Canada's must-see events, garnering over 30 million media impressions and has starred such names as Jim Cuddy, Mary Walsh, Stephen Page, and two-time Oscar winner Jane Fonda. On top of all this, Stuart Knight is an award-winning entrepreneur, a critically acclaimed author of two books, an expert panelist on numerous television shows, and host of a hit radio show. This is a guy that is going to open your mind up to a different way of looking at COVID-19. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoyed spending time with my good friend, Stuart Knight. And now may I introduce you to Stuart Knight. Welcome, Stuart. Welcome to Inspire Us. Hey, buddy. Oh. How you been? Holy moly, Paul Nadeau. I can't even believe that we're having a conversation uh, over Zoom. You and I normally like to speak over a table with a couple of beers in our hands, but we can't do that anymore. Well, not that we can't do it. It's just we haven't gone to a patio together this summer, which which we have to before the nice weather escapes. You know what? I got to tell you, it is something that you and I have tried to do. And it's amazing to me, isn't it? How like guys like ourselves who are busy, we have all the intentions of wanting to see people that we uh, you know adore and, and it just never happens as much as we would like it to happen but you know what I've, I've come to a point where i've stopped worrying about that and so many occasions when you sit down with someone you're like how long has it been since we've seen each other and you're like oh my god it's been six months and you know what i don't care anymore 
I've just stopped doing that. I'm like, you know what? If it's been six months, it's been six months. Yeah. You're, we're here now. So how are you? So, so, and, and now we get to talk to you throughout your podcast, which I'm excited about. Yeah. And just on that, I'm the same with you. If six months go by, you still think about the person from time to time. And then when you get together, you pick up where you left off. Yeah. And that's what true friends do. I agree. We don't expect anything from each other, but when we get together, we make the best of those moments. You have to, you really have to. And I think though, I will say though, do you think that this might be one of the problems with social media in the sense that we can see what's going on in the other person's life by their posts on social media. Oh, that person had a baby. Oh, that person had a birthday. Oh, that person did whatever. They went scuba diving. And does it let us off the hook? Does it make us say, well, I'm, I'm still, I feel like I'm in touch with you on some level and maybe subconsciously, maybe it's like there's not as much to catch up on because I've actually been voyeuristically looking at your life. Absolutely. I believe that before social media, before we had the access to everything that we have, the, the hand machines that we have, these, uh, these phones that we call, we needed to get together to keep up. Right. And we would get on the telephone and talk. Now we can text and we feel that we've made a connection where right. that connection is so disconnected. Right. Well, this is this is the big problem that's happening with the pandemic right now. And I, and I, you know, as somebody who's in the field of building powerful relationships, and that's obviously a big topic that I would imagine we'll speak about today, because that's what I do. I'm loving on some weird sadistic level that finally all the people I've been preaching to for so many years about the importance of human connection are now waking up to it and going, holy shit, like, this is real. I'm actually feeling depressed. I'm actually feeling anxiety because I'm not seeing people's faces. I'm not talking to them. I'm, I'm only connecting with them on zoom. And we don't, we're now, you know, what I've been preaching for so long, which is like, yeah, it's amazing what you can do when you touch someone's shoulder, when you say something to them, or when you're actually looking in their eyes or the real scientific exchange of, of, of energy and matter and molecules and particles that come from one person to the other. It's, it's, um, it's, it's nice to see that the pandemic has actually shed some light on the work that I do. Well, you, it is. And what a, that's a, such a profound statement to make because you're right. We take things for granted. So many people have taken things for granted. My fear, though, Stuart, is that even though people may be awakening to this, once the pandemic is, is settled and people are back to some semblance of normalcy, will they forget the lessons that this pandemic has taught us the importance of that human connection, as you say, to get together, to touch someone, to, to hug somebody. I like to hug people and yeah. I like to you know shake a person's hand, pat them on the back, whatever. I like that connection. And yeah. I know that you're the same kind of person. Yeah. Will people remember this five years down the road, two years down the road? I Absolutely not. Right. <laughs> I hate to be the, the curmudgeon, but they're not going to. And this is the problem because people, I don't know, they have just become so accustomed to texting and to instant messaging. I would love to believe in a utopian world that there'd be some sort of, I don't know, eureka moment for everybody. And they say, oh my God, I'm so gonna just start embracing people. And yet uh, the truth is, the matter is, is that when they're allowed to again, I think most people go back to where they are. However, and this is to the people who are listening to the show right now, remember, obviously, that you do actually have a choice. 
you don't have to be one of those people who goes back to your old ways. You can make this pandemic in this moment where you've been allowed to kind of like lift the veil a little bit and see life through new eyes. You can make this one of the changing points of your life. You can make this one of the pivots that you, that you look back on and feel so grateful that you actually saw the truth and then made it your daily truth after this. And I think that you'll, you'll, will see, you know, with, without sounding too negative. Yeah. You're going to see some people who in 10 years from now, who will be able to recognize that the reason that they still do make such a great effort to see people face to face is because of the pandemic. They will be able to reference this. Unfortunately, a lot of people will just forget about it. Yeah. I certainly hope many people will take on these new habits and recognize that it is the moment that we are living in that matters the most. And when we do not connect with people, we're responsible for that, to make an effort to meet with people, to sit with people, to to join people, whatever. That is what human relationships are all about. It is about connecting. And you are such an inspirational person. Stuart, you've had quite an an amazing background. You started at the age of 24 in a musical theater group. You wrote your own musical. You've written a couple of books. You have inspired so many people. You talk about human relations, and I want you to just go off here today and just inspire everybody because that's what you do. I have been folks, to this man's show many, many times, several of his shows, including a show uh, that I want you to talk about, The Top Ten. It is a show in which 10 speakers from across the globe come and talk about their amazing accomplishments. And this is a charity talk that you give. You've Mm -hmm. had people with big names on your show, and they have inspired many. And so I'm just going to let you talk about what you do best, man. (laughs) We're going through so much. Today yeah. with this pandemic, and there's so many people who are suffering from anxiety and depression and uncertainty. Tell us, how can we all get through this in one piece? Well, you know, one of the things that I get people to think about, and first of all, thanks for those kind words. I get one of the things I get people to think about is, and people, I, I, I start off a lot of conversations with people who I haven't spoken to for quite a long time with the words, "How are you coveting?" So, how are you coveting? And it's not not how are you coping, but how are you coveting? And people, it usually stops them in their tracks. And I do this with a lot of my clients. And and I do it on purpose because I want people to recognize that you are coveting either well or you're coveting poorly. And to recognize that that is, in fact, a choice. Every one of us is in the middle of this pandemic. That's what makes us the same. What makes us different from each other is that moment when it's finished or let's say it goes back to some sort of semblance of normalcy. And it will be at that moment that all of us will have a chance or a moment to look back at our pandemic experience, no different than when we look back at our college or university experience or high school experience or an experience that we had on a vacation, we always look back and we have to ask ourselves, how did I do? Did I pandemic well or did I pandemic poorly? And that is something I really get people to start thinking about, to recognize that if you want to get yourself out of a level of anxiety and depression during this period, is to stop for a second and to recognize that what you in fact have control over, and you know this as an author of a book called Take Control of Your Life, you know, you have control over the way that you choose to do this. No different than the way you have control over the way that you choose to do your relationship, to do your, to, to, to do your job or to do community in your life, to, to do anything. 
is and, and the way that we do it is a choice. So one thing that I've really said a lot during some recent virtual presentations, and I think it might ring true for your listeners, and that is something that's really kind of keeping me going, which is this question, and that is, who do I have to be or what do I have to do in order to make the pandemic one of the best things that's ever happened to me? Hmm. Okay, and then I think that's worth saying again, who do I have to be or what do I have to do in order to make the pandemic one of the best things that's ever happened to me? And when you ask your brain that question, automatically you'll start coming up with answers. One of the things you might come up with, which is like, I need to stop talking to certain people in my life right now because I'm already feeling a bit anxious and I've got one family member who just makes me that much more anxious. Or, you know what, I, I've like, I need to work out more. I need to get out there and jog or whatever because I know that's something that takes me away from my depression. Or what are like the top five things that bring me joy? Okay, it's, it's watching movies, reading books, working out, talking to my brother and whatever make a list of those types of things and make that your cocktail that you refer to as a, as a mechanism and as a tool to get you out of this depression, and this anxiety, because look back to the top 10 event, as you asked, every one of my speakers who gets up there for that 10 minutes and shares their inspirational story. What's so interesting is that audience members quite often look at my speakers and go, Oh, they're special. There must be something different about them. And if you ask any one of them, and I know many of these people personally, when if I don't, I get to know them. And they all will be the first ones to tell you, I'm not special. I just looked at adversity when it came my way differently than what most people do. And I, they, they, they had just as many hard times. They've had just as many setbacks. They've, they've had health issues and, and mental uh, health issues. And yet, when that adversity came their way, they just asked themselves those kinds of questions. Like, what do I need to do to make this situation something that's good in the fact that it's happened to me as opposed to being something bad that's happened to me? And when you ask yourself that question, it forces you to reframe things. And that's the reason why those are the speakers that I look to you know, bring into these events because they've accomplished so many things, because they've had that attitude. So the pandemic will come to an end what attitude do you choose to have while it's here is something that is in your control. And you definitely don't want to be at the end of this looking back and going, man, I did the pandemic shitty. I was shitty at the pandemic. <laughs> you don't want to say that. You want to be like, I kicked the pandemic's ass. That's what you want to say. Right, right. And that is so true that it is a choice. It is a decision that we make. And it is a commitment that we have to make to ourselves. Nobody is going to make that commitment. Nobody is going to take the action that we need to take for ourselves. And we do have a choice to take a look at what is happening right now. And as you said, I love asking yourself, you know, how can I make this the best possible experience? And it is just a slight shift in the way that you look at your life. That's it. It's the reframe. I've always loved the reframe and how it's um, you can take anything you want in life and you can and you can choose to look at it just slightly differently with the intention of getting a big impact. A great example of this is my friend Annie Lala, who is a love coach and uh, based out of New York City and Miami and just a phenomenal woman. And she looks at relationships so differently. She they say things to each other in her relationship with her partner, Evan, that. I'll hear it and I'll be like, oh my God, that is so smart. So one of the things, for example, she'll say is when you're in a relationship, most people when they're trying to improve their relationship, 
really think that they have to improve the person. They have to change the person that they're in the relationship with. If they can just make those changes, it'll then cause them to change and then the relationship will, will grow and become better. Whereas the best way you can look at a relationship with an intimate partner is to not look at the other person, but to rather have the both of you look at something else outside of the two of you. So just imagine like almost like a box in the room. And there's that box and you're looking at that box and you're saying, we need to make that box so strong, so big, so powerful, so colorful. We're both working on that box together. And that box is our relationship. And when you realize that it's something separate from the two of you and not the other person, instead of then becoming adversaries, you become teammates. And now we're teammates in this and we're both committed to the idea of building the relationship. And that small little reframe had such a big impact in my life in the way that I've ever approached relationships since then. It's like, oh no, we're in this together to try to make the relationship better. That thing over there, separate from us, it's like building a house. We're both trying to build this house together. So let's, what do we need to do to make that house better? And then all of a sudden it starts taking the owners off the other person. And it really allows you to take responsibility for what you need to do. And maybe I need to pick up the hammer today and maybe my partner needs to pick up the saw. And then it allows me to get present to it. But it's that reframe that changed the way you approach it. Another great example of that was I was at her wedding in Brooklyn, New York. And I'll never forget this. As her and her husband are putting their, their rings on each other's fingers, they looked into each other's eyes. And as they were uh, saying their vows, at one point, they both said, as they're putting the ring on the finger, and with this ring, I set you free. Mm. And I just went, the entire room just gasped. And that was like the most profound thing I'd ever seen said at a wedding, because what they're saying is, and with this ring, I don't own you. You're not a possession. You do not have to be something that makes me happy. You need to be what you need to be to make you happy. And so I set you free to be the best version of yourself, because I know that if you are the best version of yourself, I get the best version of you. And that is perfect for me. And so it's the reframe. Whereas most people, when they get married, it's like, with this ring, now you're mine. Right. Right. And so we got we to gotta change the way we look at things. And when we change the way we look at things, it changes the way we act. Oh, I love that. That touches me on so many different levels. It's so true. I heard her speak at one of your events. Okay. And I was just, uh, I was in awe of her. I'd love to have her on my show. You, you're going to have to call her up or text her and say, hey, listen. I'll make it happen. For sure. <laughs> of course. I'd love to. Yeah. Thank you. That's a great example of connection, of respect, and of love. And it's a great reminder to anyone in a relationship that, yeah, we are in this together. Yeah. And when you take a look at the world around us right now, I've often said this, is that we're imagining ourselves. I, I ask people, imagine yourself on a boat, uh, a great big ship, and we're all, we all have our rows, and we're sitting next to each other, and we're just trying to make the best of this thing, try to get to our destinations, do whatever. But one day, I'm going to be so exhausted, I won't be able to row. And you're going to be right next to me. And I yep. turn to you and I say, Stuart, I can't do it today. And you're going to, what are you going to say? Right. Yeah. Well, this is just it. You know, it, it's, it's, it's funny that you say this, Paul, because I literally was planning on shooting a video for my database today. And quite often when I shoot my videos, I think to myself, what do I want to talk about today? And I, I like to just kind of go with what I'm feeling on the day of. I don't like to plan too far in advance. And the thing that I decided I'm going to do a video on today is about entitlement and how we live in a world 
where people are so goddamn entitled, like genuinely believe that just because they are on planet Earth, that if you don't have the energy to row, well, that is not my problem. I, I have things to do. I have Netflix shows to watch. Oh, don't you know I have children and I'm busy and all this kind of stuff. Where it's like, no, 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 no. No, no, you are on this ship called planet Earth with everybody. And yes, guess what? There are going to be days where you don't feel like rowing, but you're the one who has the energy and someone else doesn't. So get off your entitled little couch and stop believing that somehow the world owes you something and recognize that if you genuinely want a better life individually, that you have to collectively contribute. And this is something that you see during the pandemic. Of course, we all know the funny examples of everyone hoarding toilet paper is the easiest example to, to be able to point to. Although there's been many other examples of that during this pandemic where people feel entitled to what it is that they think that they deserve. Now, a lot of people listening to this will, will think to themselves, well, I wasn't one of those people who was taking the toilet paper, so I'm a good person. Okay, well, you know, I encourage you to dig a little deeper. Ask yourself whether or not you felt entitled to, I don't know, drop your kids off at school without wearing a face mask while the other parents are. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, I am young and I'm in good shape. I don't have to worry about this. How do you not know that the next individual maybe has an immune compromised situation and that maybe you might be putting them or one of their loved ones in danger? So we do live in a world where people miss, I would call it the opportunity to row the boat with you and to recognize that when, when being able to take over the oars from you, that you in fact aren't being asked to do more work. You aren't in fact, you don't need to see this as, as a detrimental thing. It's your job to look at this as an opportunity to contribute to the world. And, and so when you go to the school and you don't wanna wear the mask, reframe it again and think to yourself, I have an opportunity to show up here and send a message to the universe that says, I care about the world I live in. And for that reason, even though this is not ideal for me because I don't like breathing in my own hot air, I care about the world enough to, to contribute in a way where I will make this sacrifice here in this moment. And, and during this pandemic, everyone who's listening right now has to genuinely get clear on what their sacrifices are going to be. And that sacrifice might mean Maybe you are going to lose a certain amount of income. You are going to not be able to see all your favorite people. And you're not going to be able to play those outdoor sports or those indoor sports that are going to start coming up when the weather changes. That's your sacrifice. Grab the oar and start paddling and recognize that if you do, you keep the ship moving in the right direction. And that's only going to benefit you in the future, even though you might not be able to see it individually right now. You're right. We are all part of a tribe. We are yeah. all part of the human tribe. And, and to have that respect to it, the mask is a big issue because a lot of people, they say that it is their right not to wear it. And we know that there are laws that govern our tribes. And one of the, and we have to respect one another. What you said about, yes, maybe you're physically fit, but the person that you are exposing yourself to may not be uh, they might catch the virus. So you right. just never know. Yeah, we all have to do our part. And you're right. It is a, a responsibility. We are right. part of this human race. Let's totally. Get it, right? and, and, and you and I have seen this as professional speakers. 
It's amazing, isn't it? When you get up on stage in front of a corporate crowd pre-pandemic and you'll have an audience of 500 people staring at you and they, you are a guest in their home essentially at their conference. And yet we both know that you'll get a majority of the audience paying attention, being attentive. And yet there'll be individuals who would maybe be on their cell phone, checking emails. Some people who just get up and walk out, walk back in, walk back out, walk back in. And they're so entitled. They're really of this mindset of like, I don't need to learn anything here today. I already know all this stuff or I'm busier than everybody else. And so I'm going to disrupt my table. I'm going to take a phone call at my table while I'm watching this speaker. And yet not realizing how much they are actually in the long-term hurting themselves because it only makes somebody look at you and think, you know, you're, you're pissing me off here. I'm trying to listen to the speaker. And you have this kind of idea that somehow you're more important than everybody in the room. And, and it's only going to do people a disservice. So many people, they, could, they really will. They'll, they'll find these magical ways of convincing themselves that they're the most important person in their family. They're the most important person on the street. Their problems are bigger than everybody else's. And it doesn't take away from the fact that you have problems and that you should honor you know, some of the frustrating things you're currently going through. I'm not suggesting that we bury it and pretend it's not happening. But if we allow ourselves to believe that our experience of the pandemic is worse than everyone else's experience, then we're only doing ourselves a disservice. And I would even go further for those who are listening right now. There are many people who are finding themselves in a, in a much better situation. You know, I've got a buddy who's a real estate agent and he is killing it like you there was the dip in the market for a few months but then it just bounced back big time he's told me he's making more sales than he's ever made before and so it's his obligation and and he's actually a very generous person he recognizes it it's his obligation to give back where he can to try to lift everybody else up during this period because there are people like well you and i quite frankly who as speakers find ourselves in a situation where there's no more conferences so our incomes get hit big time during the pandemic. And so what can we do to lift our fellow person up during these difficult times? So if your listener is somebody who found themselves owning a lot of stocks of Zoom, and they also made a lot of money during this period, then do what you can to spread the love. Yeah. It, and that is just part of being a human being, a decent human being, recognizing that we are all in this together. And yes. that we can make a difference in people's lives. That's it. I know that you have done uh, remarkable work with people. Uh, you've started great conversations. You've uh, inspired so many people. And you continue to do that. You're, you're an entrepreneur. You continue to, to imagine different w creative ways of inspiring people. And you're one of the most inspirational people I've met. You Thank, know, you, so Thank you. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure getting together with you because we have these wonderful conversations and we both, thank you we both think the same way so well you know it's funny that you say that you're talking about you know what kind of advice can we give people that that you just led into something that i hadn't quite thought about during this pandemic if you want to get through it and feel better surround yourself with the most positive people you possibly can you know mm -hmm. like get on the phones with like-minded individuals get on zoom calls if you have somebody who's in your bubble make the time to be in their company because before you know it a day turns into a week, a week turns into a month. And before you know it, we wake up and it's June next summer. And the vaccine is here and stores are opening up again. 
and you got through it because you spent time with positive people. I'm a big, big believer in that. It's, it's like when you and I do get together for a beer, we both walk away feeling invigorated. We both feel great because the other person has inspired the other individual. So yeah, I think it's, it's such an important thing to do. We transfer energy, don't we? We transfer yeah. energy. And if you are a very energetic, enthusiastic, uplifting person, not only will you transfer that energy over to the other individual, make them feel better, but in doing so, you make yourself feel better. Yeah, you it's not hard. On. Yeah, it's not rocket science. It's not. It's yeah. not. And we all need that. That's great advice right there. You just get on Zoom, call somebody, meet somebody at a social distance, but mm -hmm. surround yourself with positive people who lift you up. Yes. That's the important thing. We need to lift ourselves up. Yeah. So tell me, what projects are you working on right now? What do you got in your mind? Because I know that you are always creating something and there's <laughs> you're up to. Uh, what are you up to? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I sometimes do just need to shut my brain off because <laughs> I can't walk down the street and my partner, Marina, it drives her crazy. I mean, I'll walk down Danforth Avenue, Greektown, where I live in Toronto, and I'll see a, a boarded up store, which has gone out of business. And she, she knows, she just kind of, she just go three, two, one. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what they should put there? You know what they should put there? This is this would be the perfect business for that location. And so I guess, I don't know where it happened. I, I didn't grow up with entrepreneurial parents. I don't know where this came from. I grew up with working class immigrant parents. But right now, I am really trying to use this pandemic as an opportunity to ask myself those big life questions. And that is like, it's kind of almost like a, um, a check-in, the, the ultimate check-in. And the check-in where I'm asking those questions of like, am I happy? doing what I've been doing up until this point? Do I wanna continue doing what I have been doing? And I'm asking that question in every facet of my life where it's like, do I wanna keep living in Toronto? Do I wanna keep being a professional speaker? Do I want to keep doing videos for the database? Do I wanna keep blogging, whatever it happens to be? And I gotta tell you, Paul, it's been interesting for me uh, asking those questions because in some cases, my answer has been no. And that's been a big wake up. You know, Marina asked me something that really stuck with me. And she said, do you miss the public speaking? Do you miss getting up on stage and doing those corporate presentations? And I said, yeah, you know, I, I do a little bit for sure. There's aspects of it that I miss. Of course, who wouldn't miss getting up on stage and being able to inspire other people to live out their dreams? Like that part I, I, I miss. But a lot of the other stuff I don't miss that, that used to kind of bother me about the industry in general. And then she said, if you didn't go back to it, would you be heartbroken? Would you be devastated? And it's interesting back to like almost the theme of this conversation today and how the, um, the question is the most important thing because the bigger, the better the question, the better the answer. And, you know, kudos to my partner for asking me, the right question because it made me get the right answer. I said, you know, I wouldn't be devastated. And that was like a holy shit moment because I mean, imagine this is all I've been doing, traveling the world as a professional speaker, getting on planes, getting in front of audiences, assuming that's what I'm gonna be doing for a very long time, if not the rest of my life. And all of a sudden going, oh God, well then, then, then what will I do? And especially as you know, I've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old. I've got a mortgage like anybody else. I've got to pay bills and cell phone bills and car bills and you name it. And I'm like, Okay, so then what would I do? And then that leads you to this next kind of like quagmire of, of, of thoughts. You're like, holy crap, well, like maybe I could do this, maybe I could do that. And that's what I find to be a really interesting exercise because when you start brainstorming, you're like, 
well, you start actually envisioning yourself doing something completely different in some cases. So, so I have actually had many nights sitting down with Marina over a glass of wine where we've just been throwing things against the wall. I'm like, what about, you know, whatever? Uh, what about like, a, like let, let's start doing retreats. What about doing retreats? And we've always said we want to do that. What about some sort of travel company? We love travel. And it's been a really fun experience. And so in the, in, in through that conversation, we've probably come up with, I would say, 30 solid business ideas of which I'm focusing more on at least two of them. And the one thing that I am going to do is I'll still keep on doing the corporate speaking, but at the same time, I'm now going to branch out into creating a basically programs for individuals that are self-development programs. I've always been a B2B guy, right? And I've always sold to the businesses. I want to now be a B2C, sell to the consumer where I can have individuals and they can come to my website and say, I like this guy. I like the way he talks. I like the way he puts things. I want to take one of his programs where it's kind of like a self-guided, self-development program that I can you know, engage in with the intention of coming out at the other end, a changed person in a positive way. So that's the one thing I've always been talking about doing it. I'm going to start creating some of those online programs. But the other thing I'm going to be doing, Paul, is that I'm super excited about is that I've always wanted to have kind of like my quote unquote television show. And I've done lots of stuff on television, meaning being interviewed on TV. I've, I used to have my own radio show on CFRB, but I've never actually had my own just Stuart Knight talk show. And it's something that I've always been keen to do. And so I'm decided that I'm gonna create a show kind of similar to what we're doing right now, where I'm going to have conversations with just regular people. OK, mm -hmm. not people who have actually accomplished big things, but just regular Joes and, 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 and Janes and Sharifs and shenanigans, whoever their whatever their name is. And I want to just talk to them because I've always been a big believer that everybody has an interesting story. You just have to have the ability to pull it out of them. And at the same time, I have all these philosophies on life, these thoughts on life that I don't really normally get to share, especially in the corporate speaking uh, realm. So I thought, what if I could create a television show once a week, let's say, I don't know, call it Sunday nights at seven o'clock, you tune in online, live on Facebook or YouTube, and it's like, hey, how's it going? I've got these three regular people who I'm going to be chatting with today, finding out what makes them tick, learn about the interesting things that have made them who they are, and then at the same time, hopefully find little windows that open that I can share some of my philosophies in life and see if there's a, an audience out there for it. So that that's, that's what's next. I, I'm going to have my own TV show probably the next couple of weeks. Oh, well, that is an amazing idea. And that was my vision of Inspire Us originally. What I, and, and it still is, mm -hmm. what I had intended to do was to bring normal people who had gone through shit in their lives, you know, the adversity and setbacks, yeah. and gone through it to share their ideas with people on how they got through it and yes. inspire people. And originally I, I had two venues that were all, the website was done. Everything was ready to go. I had two venues. I had a number of different speakers lined up and then COVID-19 happened. And I thought, oh, now what? Right. And people have been telling me, well, for over a year now, people have been saying, why don't you start your podcast, a podcast, podcast. Yeah. And I thought I'm taking the same idea. So that's what I'm doing. I'm taking people 
the ordinary, ordinary people, because we're all ordinary people. We yeah. are all, you know, as you said, you have some great inspirational pe uh, people on your top 10, mm -hmm. but they all admit, I'm just a normal person. Really? I happen to go through extraordinary circumstances and I got off well because yeah. I chose to do this and do this. And people need to hear that. The pebbles are, are, are at the beach were all these beautiful pebbles. We're, we're not the stars. Right. There are some stars out there. I, I don't particularly, I'd love to have a couple of stars on my show for sure, but right. I want to hear everybody's story because yeah. I have always said this. I wrote this in a script uh, that uh, now uh, Netflix has, so fingers crossed. But one of my things has always been everybody has a story. Yes. Everybody yeah. has gone through stuff. Everybody has a story. Let's pull those stories out. So I love totally. your idea. Well, it, it reminds me of, uh, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of something called the moth. And, uh, and I don't know if you and I have ever spoken about this, but the moth is something that literally started at this guy's house in Long Island, I believe. And he would just invite ordinary people to his house once a week, I think it was, or once a month, to just actually tell stories, funny things that have happened to them, scary, crazy, near-death experiences, whatever it was. And they get up and they tell these stories. Well, like anything else in New York, it didn't take long till word got out and everyone wanted to be there. And it started growing into something bigger. And then eventually it grew into a show that NPR picked up and it became, it's now like an actual real show on NPR in, in the United States. And, and I love that because I actually knew a woman, I know a woman, her name's Ophelia, who lives in New York City. And she lived down the street from this guy's house and she used to go and she knows the guy who started it. And so to hear from the grassroots of, of how things can you know, come from nowhere into something, and, and, and all it does is prove exactly what we're both saying, that everyone's got a story and we have to do what we can to pull it. And one thing I'll say, though, is as you and I are speaking about this, we're both talking about the idea of doing something that brings ordinary people's stories into the light. Yours is through a podcast, mine will be through a TV show, but similar, so yours is maybe leaning towards more of like, you know, overcoming adversity. Mine will be like just maybe everyday stuff. Either way, it's a story. But what I want to challenge your listeners on when they're listening to this is that I think a lot of people would have heard what you just said. And you said, oh, I had this idea and I had these two venues and we we're going to do a live presentation on it. And then the pandemic hit. And then I thought, oh, God, what am I going to do now? See, a lot of people will hear somebody like you say that and they'll say, and that's exactly why I don't start anything. <laughs> right. Because you never know what's going to happen. And this has been something that's so interesting to me. Like I meet people all the time who have ideas and it doesn't even have to be podcasts and shows. It could be just the idea of moving to a new town and they will literally focus so much of energy on all these negative possibilities that could happen. What about this? What about that? What about this? And then they end up just, that's enough. They end up talking themselves out of it. And I've always said to people, one of my favorite quotes that, that I came up with one day, it wasn't like I was trying to, it was at the end of one of my speeches and I had been so sick and tired of having audience members coming up to me and saying, well, you know, like, I want, to, I want to start my own business or I want to go into a new career or I want to move to a new town or I want to get out of my relationship. It's something big they wanted to do. And they'd say, but, but I don't know where to start. And I came back and I said to this person, and now I say it all the time, I said, start anywhere because anywhere is still a place and anywhere will lead you everywhere. And I, and I really do believe that don't worry about whether that town you're going to move to is like your final stop. Don't worry about whether this next career is your final stop. Right? Recognize it's just your next stop. And go and do it. And then when you're in that small town that you've decided you want to move to, you'll meet somebody who will give you an idea. And that idea will lead you to something else. 
And then that's, that becomes your next stop, whether it's physical or mental. And so when somebody has an idea, you had not, your, your idea was to start this live show and it didn't work out because of the pandemic. Okay, fine. So that was just what would have been your next stop. But now you're, that forced you into your other next stop, which is having a podcast. And, and so you got a podcast now. All right, that's your next stop. And then somewhere along the line, whether it's this conversation today or one of your other guests, you'll have a moment where a couple of hours later, you're sitting around drinking a coffee and you're thinking about it. And it gives you another idea. And then that idea leads you to something else. And it's just, I've always been such a, a, a big believer that if I were to think about where I am today, or, or to have like some of the accomplishments that I've been fortunate to have. If when I was 20 years old, when someone told me that, oh yeah, you'll travel the world as a speaker, you'll be on planes, people will pay you a lot of money to get up on stage and speak to audiences. I would have laughed. I would have thought that's crazy. In fact, I'll never forget the very first time I got paid $500 for a speech. And I came out of, and it was, I had been speaking at a high school and I came out with the check and, and, and I was so broke, I didn't have my own car. So my brother had to drive me to the spe speech and wait for me in the parking lot. And, and then I came out to the parking lot, he gets out of his car and I, and I, I look at him and I've got this big smile on my face and I'm holding the check in my hand and I, and I'm pointing to it. Like, I'm like the richest guy in the world. And I'm like, look at that buddy. Look at that. And I go, guess who's, guess who's going out for lunch, taking you out for lunch. And I took my brother to like Eastside Mario's or something like that. Mm. And I'm thinking like, wow, I'm like big spender. Big and yeah. And I, and I spent whatever it was like probably 40 bucks on lunch for us that day, which was like a big amount of money for me back then. Yeah. And, and yet to then at that time, imagine being paid a significant amount more than that for presentations that would have, that would have seemed so foreign and so far fetched and so out of my grasp that I probably wouldn't have even believed it. However, it wouldn't have happened had I not taken the first step, which is to get the $500 check and then the $700 check and then the $1,000 check. And slowly but surely that becomes your norm. And that's now become my big way of looking at life. Every time I look at doing something new, I always remind myself that anything you've ever done in the past at one time seems so foreign, so weird. So I guess almost out of like any experience or realm that you know of. Um, and then now it ends up becoming absolutely normal, 100% normal to, to get up on stage. And to the point where if someone called me and, after, and offered me $500 to speak, I would say no, because right. I, right, you know, and so, and, and, and I hope that doesn't sound as being arrogant or pompous to your speakers, or sorry, to your listeners. I just want them to understand that your normal changes, but you've got to take that first step and do something to change your normal and to change your, I guess, call it better to get your baseline. And once you change your baseline, that becomes a new foundation from which you leap for everything else you do after that. This is so true. And you've hit on so many very important keys at the end. Uh, and I know that you're the same way. We, we create our own opportunities or we listen to the universe that echoes something to us to try something different. And if it works, great. A lot of people are afraid to fail. And so as you pointed out so accurately, they won't even try. And they'll yeah. talk themselves out of it. At the, end of my, at the end of my life, when I am lying on my deathbed, I don't want to be surrounded by the ghosts of missed opportunities who said, Paul, we told you to do this. We yeah. told you to try this. We told you to ask this person out. We told you to make this connection and you did none of that. And regret, regret, regret. No, I want the other 
ghosts to show up and go, wow, man, that was a ride. Yeah. And you are so right. When I, listening to the universe has been something that I've been doing a lot of and all my life, pretty much. When I had to pick myself up more than once, people saying, hey, you should write a book. And at first, nah, you know, uh, I don't know. What am I going to write about? And next thing you know, I find some time and I think, okay, I'm going to start, as you said. Where do yeah. you start? Anywhere. Well, I started by going to a bookstore and picking up a book and how to write a book. <laughs> and I uh, came back and read 40 pages of it, thought I knew everything. But two and a half years later, I wrote a book. Now I've written three. Right. And that has become my norm. I'm thinking of my next book. And, and again, it is taking those chances to see. Yeah. What, and it's all right to fail. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, when it becomes your norm, you start to gain that energy is that I can do this and I can do that too. And right. I'm going to start this. And yeah. it becomes it greater than when you ever, ever imagined it possible. Right. <laughs> you know, it's my, I always remember like the when, same thing for me. I, mean, I think probably a lot of people go through this. When I wrote my very first book, I, I know I've, I've written two. I was just like, oh, no one's going to want to hear about this. And ironically, it, it was another friend of mine named Paul who kept telling me, you got to write a book on this subject called, you know, The Art of Powerful Conversation. And, 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 and to this day, I wrote that book, brother. I must have written that book. I don't even know how long ago, 15 years ago, maybe now, maybe a little bit less, maybe 12. And I still get emails from people saying, hey, I read your book. Oh, my God. Loved it, changed my life. When I get those emails, it still freaks me out. I think, oh my God, like people read it? I still can't believe people read my book. It just still seems like such a foreign thing. Like at the time when I was writing it, I'm like, no one's going to read this. And then, you know, you sell a certain number of copies and you keep selling more and more and more. And, you know, and, and, but, and that's like, okay, well then they, your brain goes, oh, well, people are just buying it because they're being nice. You know, they're, they're just buying it because it's the end of the speech and they're caught up in the moment and they're not going to read this. And then it gets to the point where the universe keeps proving you're wrong. And it's like, you get an email and someone like, you know what? I read your book. It had a big impact. And I now do something differently in my life because of it. You're like, holy crap. I can't believe that it's a real thing. And, and so it's like, um, you know, you can relate to this. I find that, you know, your children are older than mine, but I would imagine you still look at them as young women and think, I still can't believe you're my child. I still can't believe I have you as a child. And, and, and I even just this morning with my son, I look at him, I'm like, I, I can't believe you're my son. And, and so I think that the, I can't believe never goes away. So for whoever's listening, when you end up going down that path of doing something that is uncomfortable, whether it's trying a new job or moving to a new town or leaving that relationship or getting into a relationship, whatever, don't ever think you're ever gonna have a moment where you stop saying, I can't believe it. You just won't. It's just, it's just, so just accept it and just move forward. <laughs> it's not going to change. Well, that's it. Yeah. And seize every opportunity that you possibly can to not only improve your own life, but by doing so, you improve the lives of others. Thank and we you. talked about that right now. I'm hoping that there are so many people who have been listening to you getting inspired about the fact that you examined your life after the pandemic hit. And you started thinking, now what? Do I want this? And some people have lost something yeah. and we have lost uh, income, but yeah. we are creative and you have to be creative in these times. Yeah. And some loss is all right. Not yes. all loss, but some loss, good riddance to some loss. And this pandemic's taught a lot of people that. There are yeah. relationships that people have, have left because they were not serving them. We have, to, we have to really recognize the, the, the gifts that we can create during this difficult time. Would you agree? 
Oh yeah, I would even say like that you could you could probably live your life by a by a very easy rule, and there's many rules to live by, but this being one of them, that if you haven't experienced a certain level of pain for a extended period of time, then there's something wrong. Like you're you're not living, you're not doing it, you're not pushing. And so if like you should be worried. You should, you should, if you can look in the mirror and go, things have been kind of coasting along in my life. And, let, and, and really remember this after the pandemic, things have been coasting along in my life. Things have been pretty good. I would get concerned about that. I would see that as a, as a marker for change. Because I remember one time when I had this unbelievable moment where I was speaking in Las Vegas at an event and one of my idols was one of the other speakers at the event. And Martin Short is his name, and, and you know Martin Short, of course, and many of your listeners probably will, but for those who don't, he you know had big years on SCTV, big years on SNL, and uh, at one point was probably one of the, the top five comedic actors in the world. For me, I had a chance to go up for dinner with him one night, and we got tipsy and talked about all his war stories. And while that was happening, it was so interesting to me to listen to him talk about all the bad things that had happened, all the bad reviews, all the all the, the movies he didn't get. And and all the many people know probably his wife unfortunately died at a young age of ovarian cancer. And, and he told me, he says, Oh, I still have a conversation with her every single day. I still talk to her every day. I ask her what she thinks I should do. And so he is an example of somebody that many people look up to for their fame and their success, but he will tell you that it's all the pain that's got him to where he is. And so I would imagine that Martin Short, like so many other people who have achieved life at a certain level, can look you in the eye and say, throughout my life, there were never very long periods of time that went by where I didn't feel a little pain. And whether that was being interrupted during an audition, someone saying, thank you, get out of here or whether that was some person that didn't give you interest, maybe some director that didn't take your call or to some friend who just didn't wanna be your friend anymore. If this happens to you, it means you're living. You're living your life, you're pushing your limits. And if you don't feel any pain at all, it means you're coasting. And that will only lead you to, as you say, the ghost of regret. You're right. And oftentimes we look at things that happen to us and we say, wow, that happened to me, that happened to me. Yeah. And then later, you realize that that didn't happen so much to you. It happened for you because had yeah. it not been that difficult time that you went through, you never would have achieved this. You ne never would have met this person. You never would have been creative yeah. to live a, an unexcited life. That dull without feeling that pain, as you say, will lead to that regret at the end of your life for not having fulfilled what your potential was. You yeah. could do so much. And yeah. it was funny earlier, you were talking about the book and, and how some people are, they, they have these ideas in their head. And I've had, and I'm sure as an author, you've had this too. You've had people, and you said it earlier, coming to you, I have this idea. And yeah, have you started? You know, why haven't you started? Yeah. And people out there have got to start. And they've got <laughs> to find that you it's going to hurt sometimes. Oh, yeah. It's going to be rough. But yeah. Climb to the top of the mountain is worth the climb. No right? question. I always remember sitting in a cafe and there was a woman who had knew that I had written a couple of musicals. And so she asked if she could pick my brain. And we're in, we're in a second cup coffee shop having a coffee. And I said, all right, okay, so you've got this musical. And so, so tell me about it. And she says, okay, here it is. The show's called Canned. 
I said, okay, canned, interesting title. What do you mean? She's like, well, it's about being canned, about being fired. I'm like, okay. And I said, so tell me about the musical. Give me like the beginning, middle and end. And she goes, oh, I haven't done that yet. And I said, oh, well, what have you done? She goes, well, I, I, I envision this opening sequence where there's a boss sitting at the desk and somebody walks in and he says, you're canned. And all of a sudden a bunch of dancers come in and that's the opening, that's the opening part. And I said, okay, what else, else besides that opening do you have? She goes, that's it. And then I kept asking her questions because I kept thinking, oh, maybe I'm missing something. I must not be getting this right. And finally, I realized, it just dawned on me. I'm like, oh, I know why you wanted to get together with me. You want me to write the musical. You want me to do it for you. You want to like just kind of prompt me, get me started so that I can fire up a bunch of ideas where I can say, oh, you know what you should do here. And then you know what kind of characters you should have. And you know what you could actually have as your, as your hero in this. And here's actually an idea of a song. In fact, you know what? Now that we're together, I'll write some of the songs. Like that is... Uh, what she really wanted, whether she knew it or not, that's what she wanted. And I was like, okay, you know what? Um, so I got to get going because this is a waste of my time. Right. And this is what I think a lot of people don't realize. It's like, you got to start and then you got to keep going. And then you got to do piece by piece. You know, as you say, you know, perfect example, writing a book. So many times I've been asked, how did, so how does it, like, what's, what's it involved writing a book? And I said, it's really actually not as hard as you think. Here's what you do you carve out time every single day and you don't vary from that every day, one hour. Then you grab your laptop. Then you sit on a couch or a comfortable place. You open it up, no matter what you think of, just puke something out, just write a page, literally a page, one page, that's easy. And of course, as we all know, after 365 days in the year, you've got 365 pages, yeah. which will be most likely you're going to have a lot more than that because you start writing a page and then it leads you to your second and third. And most often when you just start, you get two or three pages out. And before you know it, three months has gone by and you've actually created 300 pages. And you're like, wow, this is a real thing now. It so you, you just got to, you just got to get down and get, and just do it. You really do. And listen, I could talk to you all day and I'm sure that our listeners have been inspired already by all the things that you've said. If there were a couple of more little pieces of inspiration that you could share, what would they be for those listening right now? I would say a couple of things that come to mind that when I talk to people, the first would be to always give yourself more credit than you do. My friend Glenn one time said something to me that really stuck with me. He said, isn't it sad to know that most people will die and never see themselves as being as amazing as everyone else around them saw them as? And I thought, wow, that is so true. So you've got to start recognizing that you have more power than you most likely give yourself credit for. You have more creativity, you have more charm, you're better looking than you think you are, you're funnier than you think you are. All these things that you think you are, just up it by like 25% and recognize that's who you really are. And let that person go into life every single day. And that person will start achieving more than what you are allowing yourself to achieve. And one of the best ways of proving that to yourself is I always say, aim for things that seem impossible. And by aiming for things that seem out of your, out of your reach, that seem that would make you go, how the hell would I pull that off? You actually will prove to yourself that you are that extra 25, 30%, 40% of your, as a version of yourself than you knew. Because it's aiming for things that seem beyond you that allow you to see that they're actually not beyond you, but in fact, completely in line with who you really are. And so that would be, you know, one thing I would say to people. And the second thing I would say to people is 
really just be okay with knowing that you don't have to be the version of who you are for the rest of your life. So it's, it's, it's really fine if you're an accountant to become a basketball scout. It's really okay to like, if, if you if you identify as a certain character in your play, your play called life as, well, I'm a mom and I have two kids and this is the role I'm supposed to play. Fine. But recognize you don't have to be that character. Yes, you'll always be a mom, but you can change. You, you don't have to be the person who's seen within your community a certain way. You don't have to be the person who's seen as being fashionable all the time. You don't have to be seen as the person who makes a certain amount of money. You can be something else. And if you have an inkling of wanting to be something else, to trust it and to go with it. So those would be two, two last things I would share. And I love that. Yes, at times it's necessary for us to reinvent ourselves yeah. or, and not to put so much pressure or stay stuck in, yeah. in believing that we are one way. Right. Stuart, you have really inspired my audience. I thank you so much, brother. For those of you out there who had not, were, you're not familiar with Stuart, he has a website. It's stuartknight.com, S-T-U-A-R-T-K-N-I-G-H-T.com, Stuart Knight. is two books. You should have asked. It is a fabulous book about starting conversations. I have enjoyed that book. I read it years ago and I love it. And then get this one, folks, The Madness of My Mind, Building a Road Less Traveled by Stuart Knight. The Madness of My Mind, I love that title and the subtitle, Building a Road Less Traveled. It is, it's remarkable. Thank you for coming on the show, brother, and I wish you every success. And you and I are going to get together before the weather turns bad, and we're going to have that beer. That is a deal. That is a deal. Thanks for having me on the show, and good luck to all your listeners. Thank you, Stuart. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient.